Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Happy Friday morning, everyone. I'm Scott Eklund sitting here with Chris Fetters, and you're listening to Dogman Radio. We're, we're getting ready for uh, this, this evening's game against Arizona, and uh, Kim Grinnells is already actually down in the desert. And so Chris Fetters and I are going to be the ones with you, kind of taking you through, getting you ready for, for the game with uh, some pregame talk, going to talk offense, defense, maybe even a little bit, re- bit of recruiting and, and things like that. Chris, how are you doing? We, we, we talked about uh, uh, the fact that we are um, broad, uh, you know, podcasting here at the break of dawn, and actually it's not even dawn yet. No, exactly. <laughs> this is uh, this is a bit unusual, especially you know. Typically, we'd be doing this the same time the next day on Saturday. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, it's just uh, it's just an odd situation all around. Especially, you know, I don't think anybody expected Arizona to be all that great, but I don't think they expected to even be zero and six either. I think the, you know, just like the Montana game, really threw Washington's fan base for a loop. I think that lost northern arizona really was like a wake-up call to the wildcats fans it's like this is uh this is gonna take this might take a little while yeah the jetfish era might be uh a little slow and going um compared to maybe well I, I don't know what the expectations necessarily were but you know it's uh whenever that happens it's uh it's obviously a bit of a shock to the system well, you, you talk about a shock to the system, and Washington's two and four start is definitely a shock to Husky Nation. Um, you know, they have not played that well. They haven't played other than the Montana game, and you could probably say the Michigan game. Washington really hasn't played that poorly in any of their, their games from the standpoint of, you know, making just horrible mistakes and, 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 not not being able to generate any anything on offense or or not being able to stop anybody on defense but the, i mean defensively washington has really struggled to stop the run and and with arizona they're going to have to really fo- the nice thing is the washington huskies can kind of focus on stopping the run because they're starting quarterback uh they only have one uh scholarship quarterback that is that is healthy and that is will plummer yeah, they lost Jordan McLeod uh, to injury, and then they just, you know, this this week, uh, Fish announced that uh, Gunnar Cruz, who played at Washington State, uh, and then transferred to Arizona. Obviously, he he is out. Um, I, you know, they got hurt during the the Colorado game. In fact, it sounds like he got hurt and then still was in the game mm-hmm. for a bit. Yep. So that's you know that's a tough kid there. Um, so yeah, so Will Plummer's kind of the 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 last the last man standing, so to speak, and then after that you've got some walk-ons. Um, yeah, Plummer, it's interesting because um, 
you know, they they've actually been mixing and matching some the, the, their quarterbacks anyways because of the injury situation. So Cruz is at, at time at times been the starter, and then Plummer at times has been the starter. McLeod is was obviously the starter until he got hurt. So you know, it's it's literally adding insult to injury for Arizona. Um, you know, at the quarterback spot because they just they cannot keep guys healthy, and it's at the mm-hmm. most crucial position and. You know, the thing is, is that everyone talks about the situation with Dylan Morris at Washington and, and just the struggles and whether or not, you know, they should go to a Patrick O'Brien or a Sam Heward. But, you know, bottom line is that Washington has like a wealth of riches compared to what Arizona's gone through. The Arizona Wildcats fans must be looking at Washington's situation going, we wish we had Washington's quarterback problem. Let, let's talk a little bit about Washington's quote unquote problem of having three quarterbacks on the roster, but all three are, I mean, they have six, I think, on the roster, but three are scholarship guys. Dylan Morris, Jimmy Lake has at, been adamant about the fact that Dylan Morris is a starter. He gives Washington the best chance to win. But a lot of people, and it, it it's like this with any team, especially struggling teams, the, the backup quarterbacks are always the most important, or are the, always the most popular players. And Washington has Patrick O'Brien, who came over from Colorado State, and then they have Sam Heward, kind of the future of the program, five-star guy, out of Kennedy, Husky legacy. Everybody's known about him basically since he was an eighth grader. Now he's on the Husky uh, football team, and we saw him in the spring. We saw him in the fall. Dylan Morris was clearly head and shoulders above Sam Heward and readiness to play. But Chris, as far as playing this week if if Washington was ever going to get Sam Heward into a game into a conference game and get his feet wet for maybe the rest of the season it seems like going up against an Arizona team that's really struggling would be the best time to do it if they were going to maybe not give him the start I mean that's obvious they're, they're not going to give him the start because Jimmy Lake has said that uh, Dylan Morris is your starter but do you think that there's a chance that we see Sam Heward in not just in mop-up duty, not just, you know, if Washington gets out to a big lead, but I'm talking in the first half where maybe he gets some reps with the first team uh, offense. I, I think only if Dylan Morris like throws a couple picks or just, th- just shows that he is completely unprepared to run mm-hmm. the thing. And, and to, and, and if Arizona just all of a sudden makes his life really, really hellish, maybe, but you know, the, the you don't you don't see that, Jimmy Jimmy rotating then. Well, he just well he calls himself an equal opportunity employer, mm-hmm. and he used the example of of Mateo Mele, um, playing last week against UCLA as a situation where they wanted to get him some reps at right tackle instead of Victor Kern, and he ended up with seven snaps. And he said basically it's because he'd been doing everything right in practice. He looked great and all these things. And he even said during the coaches show this week. Again, I'm an equal opportunity employer. If if the if one of those guys at quarterback is playing better than Dylan Morris, then we'll play him. But it, clearly, no one is playing better than Dylan Morris if you take Jimmy Lake at his word. So what? It really begs the question: just how bad do Patrick O'Brien and Sam Heward look in practice if they yeah. can't beat out a guy who right now has as many he's interceptions struggling. as touchdowns? Yeah. He's he's definitely struggling. He's leading the hundredth best team in the country when it comes to scoring was 23.5 points a game Mm -hmm. um if that's the best you've got and the other guys can't unseat him 
then you've got a real problem at quarterback, Scott. And and you've also got it's an indictment on the coaching if they can't coach those guys to the point where those guys are stepping up and are better options than Dylan Morris at this point. That's it's just a failure all the way around. Yeah, and you know Dylan Morris. You know, you could say that his two mistakes cost Washington the game. They didn't really, uh, I, I don't think they get, they didn't give up an interception. I'm sorry, they didn't give up any points after his first interception last week. But the the game ender was basically when he throws the, the pick at the very end of the game on that long throw to Jalen Millen, who arguably could have fought for the ball a little bit better, maybe made things a little bit easier on, on Dylan Morris, but he, he had his defender beat by a couple steps and yep. Dylan Morris under throws it and it, it results in an interception. And that basically ends the game because UCLA is able to run out the clock. Chris, do you see the wide receivers as continuing to pick up steam it looked like they were they were getting open down the field now UCLA's pass defense is not very good um Arizona's is not very good either but um you know or do you think that Washington will continue to try and run it uh this week against a relatively porous Arizona defensive front well it's a good question Scott because I think in theory wouldn't they wouldn't they want to try to get healthy Against the you know against the defense in Arizona right now that is you know they're eleventh in rushing defense. Mm-hmm. If you can't if you can't run the ball against those guys, then you're you're never going to get healthy against a team because mm-hmm. after that they go you know it's funny because you've got the number eleven rushing defense in Arizona and then who do you play the following week? Well, they go to the farm and they play Stanford. Stanford is the twelfth worst rushing defense in the league right now. Yeah. So if you cannot if you cannot establish a run game in the next 2 weeks, then you're never going to do it. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people out there that said that they they can't do it anyways, and there's obviously ample evidence to that too because right now they're 11th in the league in rushing. Um and they Especially for a team that want wanted that to be their identity. Exactly. No, and it's like it really is where's the disconnect? It's very very curious. And it and and really the underperformance of the of the of the Washington offensive line, um, if anybody listened to the podcast of Champions, um, David Woods, the UCLA guy who who obviously watched with a lot of interest the Washington UCLA game, was incredulous. He's like, this is this is probably the most underperforming unit in the Pac-12, and it's not even close. And it's the it's the biggest mystery as to why these guys all of a sudden just can't play together. And can't get anything done. Um, you know, we, we've had a great series so far with Hugh Millen breaking down these, um, you know, some of these plays against UCLA to kind of give people an idea of, of where the, you know, where the failures have been. And, and some of them have been really good plays, but a lot of them have been really, um, you know, he can kind of pinpoint exactly where the failures have been. And, Man, there's been some, you know, along the offensive line, it's just very difficult when you when you're trying to pass the ball and you've got a and you've got five guys in and you're only going up against two or three defensive linemen and they do do a simple twist and they can absolutely, you know, turn your offensive line inside out. Mm-hmm. Man, that's a problem. That's a real problem. So we'll see what happens tonight. You know, I, I think they've got to establish the run, frankly. Yeah. Now, uh, Arizona hasn't really done very much on the ground they're they're rushing uh for six they've rushed for 689 yards which is about what what is that about 115 whatever it is yards 
per game, but Washington has is at 666 on yeah. the season. And now, granted, that includes sacks and things like that, but 666 yards for a team that wanted to get out and run the ball. I mean, that's I mean, that's terrible. And yeah. I mean, that's that's looking at about 100 and 112 yards per per uh, per game. And you just it just it's mind boggling how bad it's been. And Kamari Pleasant, a lot of people on our message board are clamoring for the fact that he's rushed only 33 times, but has 229 yards. He leads the team in rushing six point nine uh, yards per carry and uh, no touchdowns yet. Sean McGrew, on the other hand, has. 56 carries for 226 yards and six touchdowns. He leads the team in that category and, and in the carries category. But I mean, he had, what was it? I I don't have the numbers in front of me from last week, but I think he had something like 18 carries for 34 yards last week. Uh, Who? uh, um, Sean McGrew. Yeah. McGrew. McGrew. Yeah. 18 for 38. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's exactly. Whereas pleasant had nine for 80. So it's, you know, it's very stark, the differences. But again, that's I don't know if that's an indictment on McGrew because McGrew had 104 and two touchdowns, you know, against Oregon State. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's had two touchdowns in each of the three games before the UCLA game. So he's he's mm-hmm. found the end zone. I mean, he, he's yeah. the guy that, that knows how to score out of that running back crew. Um, could we could we start to see, though, a little bit of a passing of the torch? Because this is the first time or the, the second time in a row that Pleasant has gotten 80 or more yards in a game. So could they start to rely on him and he could be the guy? You know, are we going to see Richard yeah. Newton back? Um, you know, I know he didn't get really any stats against UCLA, but, you know, he was he had at least a catch, in the game. I think. Yeah, he, he was in the game a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was in the game a little bit, so that was good. Um, so it was good to get his feet wet, but it almost kind of felt like he was getting the, the Zion treatment on offense, like they weren't mm-hmm. going to use him all that often and, and hopefully make a difference when he was in the game. But, um, you know, obviously didn't, you know, I'm not jumping ahead to, to the defensive side yet, but mm-hmm. he didn't have anywhere near the impact that a guy like Zion did. Uh, you know, Terrell Bynum, I think get, getting over to the passing game, Terrell Bynum, you know, 20 receptions, 284 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Jalen McMillan's right behind him at 19 for 270 yards and two scores. Romo Dunsey, we got to talk to him for the first time this week. I was very pleasantly surprised with how well he was with the media. Um, sometimes those those young guys, when they get out there, it's a lot of coach speak. It's a lot of, you know, the coaches have coached them on how to talk to the media. They're very concerned. They're they're not going to uh, concerned about what they say. They're very measured, all that kind of stuff. He just he was very free flowing. He's got ten receptions for 134 yards and one touchdown, on and that touchdown came last week. And he had probably his best game as a Husky last week, catching four passes for um for uh, I'm sorry 44 Chris, yards. Yeah, four passes for for how many yards? 44. Yeah, but I mean. You know, I, I thought he had one of his best games as a Husky. He, kept, he has that one where he gets down to about the two-yard line, and Washington has to settle for a field goal. And, uh, I mean, honestly, that that point of the game, if Washington can't score from the two, you knew it was kind of going to be a long day. Now, they ended up having a chance to tie it at the very end of the game, so it was things didn't get away from them last week. And I think that's one of the things that I've taken – 
as a positive, you know, if you're looking for positives, Washington games that maybe would have gotten away from Washington early on, especially a hard running downhill team like UCLA is, um, they didn't, they've played these teams really tight. And I think that Morris, if he can, can keep the ball away from the Arizona defense and Stanford and Oregon and all those other schools that they're going to play the rest of the way, if, if he can cut down on those mistakes and interceptions, I think Washington's got a real chance to do some things offensively, but a lot of it's going to be these wide receivers fighting for the ball a little bit more because Dylan does has, have, have seem to have a tendency to throw the ball up for grabs a little bit. Chris, from the receivers that you've seen, Taj Davis, Jim McMillan, uh, Terrell Bynum, Romo Dunsey, Kate Otten, and, and a little bit of Devin Culp, from what we've seen from the receivers and tight ends, is this a group that can go up and fight for those balls? Well, that's a big issue. And and <clears throat> it's it's really weird because it's not like Dylan Morris doesn't have the arm strength. And again, the the series that Hugh Millen has done, he's do, he did a nice job breaking down a couple of the different plays where it really looks like Morris's kind of arm angle and throwing motion and things like that has really changed a bit and it's altered kind of perhaps his, his accuracy and whatnot because he's literally right at like 60 percent right now 60 percent sounds good but 60 percent doesn't get it still gets you at about you know top 70 nationally yeah. i mean now you know 60 percent 30 years ago would be would be throwing the you know the cover off the ball you'd be you'd be yeah. lights out but now it doesn't get you anywhere and um Especially when most of the passes that he's completing are the are the under are the under are five to ten yards, yeah. You know he you know he he completed twenty passes for one hundred and eighty four yards against UCLA. It's an average of nine yards a throw. Um, if he can do that against against Arizona, that should be moving the chains. Now again, you know Washington was nine of fourteen on third down. Scott, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. UCLA was three of twelve. I know. Uh, but yeah. th- but that but that you know that's the stat that's really misleading, because if it's third and twelve on third down, what what does that tell you about what they were doing on first and second down? Because they ended up with four hundred and twenty total yards. Yeah, you know they were getting you know third twelve third downs, so they actually had some third downs they had to try to complete, and they weren't able to do it. But when they needed to move the ball, they were able to get it done. Mm-hmm. And and Washington nine of fourteen that tells you that they've they had to be at a really high level of execution to get what they got. And they still only ended up with 267 total yards. That tells you they are scrapping and clawing for every yard mm-hmm. and everything is coming. It, it is not coming easy at all. And that's really the hard part. So when you talk about throwing the ball down the field and stuff, you know, Dylan Morris, his accuracy down the field, it's just, he's throwing to the wrong shoulders. He's throwing, he's overthrowing. A lot of the problems against UCLA were underthrows, like as, as you pointed out. Yeah. It's just, it's just very difficult to understand because he had a whole off season to work on it. They, everyone knew exactly where the, the, the hole was in his game. And it's the, it's the longer pass. It's, it's not the intermediates, the short and intermediate stuff. He's, he's pretty much got, you know, Pat. As long as the receivers are not dropping things, he's done a really good job of, of getting those those particular passes pretty you know completed. He he does have a tendency to throw the fastball a little bit more than is necessary. He hasn't necessarily thrown or shown 
uh, kind of a wide range of, of touch in that sense. But still, I mean, <clears throat> when you're looking at five to 10 yard passes, those, you know, they've ended up having to become extended handoffs because of how poor they've been in the run game. And, um, and, and then they need to take the top off every once in a while and they've done it, but it, it, it's still been so infrequent that you can't rely on it. And that's been the hardest part, I think. Let's let's move over to the offensive line, Chris, and and it all kind of starts up front. You know, we talk about Washington struggles, and we've gone through this quote unquote skill position guys, but the the guys up front just have been really inconsistent. I think I think they've they've gained consistency pretty much every week of the season so far, but that it's still not where they need it to be. And and as long as the offensive line is going to struggle like they have then I think this offense is going to continue to struggle. Now, uh, Jackson Kirkland, I went back and watched uh, the UCLA game, and I thought he had one of his best games of the season so far. Um, I haven't been able really to compare it to what he did earlier, but he was handling the pass rush pretty well. Washington overall helped the pa- held the pass rush out. That you know UCLA got after the quarterback a little bit before last week's game and Washington actually did a really good job. I think they only surrendered two sacks last week, but you know, they, um, you know, you, you saw MJ Ale get the start over, um, over, uh, I'm, who was the starter before that? I'm totally dry. Oh, Julius Julius Pulo. Pulo. yeah. Yeah. He get MJ Ale gets the start and we had seen things kind of improve against Oregon State, and then he gets the start against UCLA, and I thought they ran the ball a little bit better um, against a much better pass, or I'm sorry, rush defense in UCLA, but, you know, still not where they want to be. But did you see a difference with MJ Ale in there instead of Julius Bulo? Uh, maybe a little bit. Um, you know, if you, you know, for anybody that takes uh, – pro football focus and their stats into account um, because when it comes to the offensive line, it's hard to, you know, you can see it, you can look at, see what, seeing what they're doing, but those guys are actually trying to grade it and, and trying to be very objective when they do their gradings. <clears throat> you know, you, you talked about the pass blocking, especially for a guy like Jackson Kirkland. Well, you know, um, MJ LA, his pass blocking grade against UCLA on 35 pass blocks was 85.6. Mm-hmm. Well, that's you're talking about a guy who's vastly improved in pass blocking from last year. Yep. That was, you know, run run blocking shouldn't have been an issue for him at all. I mean, he's been a road grader. That's been kind of his M.O. all along. But if you look at the run block versus pass blocking grades, he's almost 30 points higher as a pass blocker, which is very interesting. Very mm-hmm. interesting. But, you know, even if you look at a guy like Jackson Kirkland, Jackson Kirkland, best pass blocking grade of the entire year was against UCLA 82.1. Mm-hmm. Um, it was even better than it was against Montana and you would never expect that to be. No, the case. nope. So, um, yeah, I just think in the pass blocking situation, they had opportunities. They, they gave Dylan Morris some time to throw the ball, uh, around a little bit. It's just, again, those deep shots It's been very, very, very difficult. And, um, you know, what's interesting, I kind of went back to that, um, that talk about Mattel Mele and, you know, giving a, a Victor Kerna a little bit of a spell in terms of, of what he was doing. Um, and they felt like he deserved an opportunity. Well, it's not like, it's not like Victor Kern was, was thinking up the joint. His pass blocking grade against UCLA was 71.4. So it, it's still considered solid. 
It's not mm-hmm. great, but it's still solid. Um, you know, so there, the, you know, you've got situations where, you know, objectively speaking, you've got a third party in, in, in PFF that are looking at these guys and going, they're, they're getting the job done. Um, when it comes to giving Dylan Morris a little bit of time to throw the ball, um, it's that run, you know, that the run yeah. stuff is just, it's just the stuff that's stinking up the joint. And that's the, that's the really hard thing to understand uh, because when you, yeah. when you look at their run blocking grades of the starters now of the starters now, you know, cause Nate Kleppo's only had 12 snaps all year, but Jackson Kirkland has the most run snaps this year at 165. Well, excuse me, Luke Wattenberg actually does or at 167. You know, his his run blocking grade is 65.5. Kirkland's mm-hmm. is 68 point. There's nobody at 70 or above. You know, Bulow was at 58.6. Uh, MJLA 56.5. Um, you know, these are these are these are not good. Mm-mm. Um, you know, Bain of is probably the, you know, he's at 67, six. So they're, they're just, they've just been average at best. Yeah. And that's, that's the pro that's been the problem. Yeah, it really has. Uh, let's touch on the, the Arizona defense just a little bit. They, they're loaded with some transfers. Mo Diallo is a big guy. Uh, he transferred from central Michigan, but he actually signed with Texas A&M coming out of high school and then transferred to Central Michigan, and is now at uh, um, and is now at Arizona. He's kind of the big guy up front, especially now that they don't have JB Brown available at defensive end. So um, you know th- they've got some size in there, but they're loaded with a bunch of transfers, and these are not a lot of familiar names from guys that we've seen in the past. Well, it is interesting because you 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 mentioned you mentioned Diallo, but. You know, they've got guys, you know, uh, Malik Reed is a transfer from Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jerry Roberts, a linebacker guy, he's a, a transfer from Bowling Green. Yep. Uh, Isaiah Rutherford, who uh, it, people that follow recruiting will definitely know out of yep. uh, Sacramento. You know, he was at Notre Dame. Um, you know, they've got guys from Fresno State. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, it's it's weird. They've got all sorts of these different, you know, obviously we talked about Gunnar Cruz. Who was at Washington State, but you've got guys from South Florida, you know Jordan. That's where Jordan McLeod was from. Mm-hmm. Um, you know Northwestern. They've got a couple guys that have transferred in. Uh, Vanderbilt, Kenny uh, Hebert. Um, you know they just they've got all these guys. Got a, you know everyone talks about the portal with Washington. These yeah. guys portal their life and 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 uh, you know that's, that's it's kind of to be expected with a brand new staff yeah first year coach you're going to do that yeah. there's no doubt about it um but they really went to town and got a whole bunch they really cleaned house and got a whole bunch of brand new guys so um and some of these are a lot of these are arizona guys who left the state and then came back same so, so yeah exactly and that's yeah. what you're seeing you know you'll you'll probably see that with washington guys at some point here down the road um, you know, guys get homesick, certainly have seen it with the basketball team, for instance. So that's, that's, that's a common theme that you'll see from the portal as we go on, um, through the years, you know, guys coming back. We obviously saw it with Jacob Eason, you know, now Eason is, is going to, you know, he got picked up by the Seahawks. So that's interesting. Um, but yeah, this, uh, this defense for Notre, uh, for, uh, Arizona is very, um, yeah, yikes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very just, I don't I don't know what I don't know what else to say. I mean, you're you're talking about a team in Arizona's 
their their passing defense is pretty good, but that's because they're rushed. You know, everyone's been able to run all over them. Yeah. And so they haven't had to really, you know, that their opposition has not really had to worry about passing the ball too much against them. Um, that's why you saw, like, for instance, Michigan, um, Oregon State only throwing the ball 15 times a game against Washington because they had so much success on the right. ground. And obviously that's got to change. Yeah. Uh, Arizona's or Arizona's offense against Washington's defense is something we're going to talk about when we get back. And we'll also touch a little bit on recruiting. Uh, thanks for listening. Stay tuned. When we get back, we'll talk all of those subjects and more. You're listening to the guys from dogman.com on dogman radio. This episode is brought to you by progressive insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Scott Eklund, sitting in here for Kim Grinolds, who's down in the desert getting ready to cover tonight's game against Arizona, uh, against the University of Washington. And so Chris Fetters and I are the one, the two guys kind of leading you up to kickoff. And, and Chris, um, you know, we've, we've talked about Washington's offense against Arizona's defense. Let's turn the tide here and let's go Washington's defense versus Arizona's offense. And, or I'm sorry, yeah, Arizona's offense. I'm, sometimes I get ahead of myself. Um, Chris, first of all, Arizona's offense, we already kind of touched on a little bit. Will Plummer is the only healthy scholarship quarterback at Arizona. They lose some dynamic uh, playmaking ability and, and, and with, with um, their starter, McLeod, out and and just trying to figure out who's, who's going to be the best fit there. But, you know, Chris, I – I still think, you know, a guy that people need to remember is a guy by the name of Stanley Barry Hill. He's 5'11", 190 pounds, he's a redshirt junior, very talented kid, had a lot of receptions against Washington last year, um, leads uh, the Wildcats in receptions so far this season with 48 receptions, by far more than double the next guy behind him, uh, 48 yards, 450, uh, 445 yards receiving and one touchdown. I have a feeling we will be seeing uh, Trent McDuffie follow that guy around most of the night. Yeah, he's definitely by far their <clears throat> their uh, their number one guy. Like you said, there's you know he's got 48 catches compared to 21 for the next best guy in BJ Castile. Um, you know he he's also used as a punt returner, and he's also actually a guy that they'll use from time to time in the run game. Um, he's averaging almost five yards a carry on 13 carries. So, you know, that's a guy that can that can get some things done. But just like Washington, it's so crazy, Scott, because just like Washington, their their long run of the entire season is 23 yards. Mm-hmm. You know, bef- yeah. before the Oregon State game, Washington's long run of the season was 18 yards. I mean, these are just two teams that can't push anybody around on the offensive lines. Yeah. So it's just it's just it's it, it in some ways is very much a mirror image. The only difference the real stark difference and very striking difference is just the difference in the health of the quarterback room. And that's been the biggest problem because, you know, you've got Gunnar Cruz who's now hurt and he played, he played in all five games or excuse me, he played five of five of six games. 
you've got Jordan McLeod, who's hurt, and he played in three of the six games. And then you've got Will Plummer, who we, expe- who we expect to be the starting quarterback tonight, the only option, scholarship option they've got. And he's played he's played in four games so far. Um, you know, and he's only thrown two touchdowns to three interceptions. They all have worse touchdown to interception ratios. So, again, you know, we we talk about Dylan Morris and throwing eight interceptions, eight touchdowns, what have you. Well, these guys, all three of them are 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 poorer options. Let's put it that way. And in terms of efficiency, in terms of everything else. Now, you know, Plummer is only throwing the ball at a 50 percent clip in terms of completions. That's another red flag, obviously. Um, but, yeah, there's they're 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 in deep, deep doo doo. Um, <laughs> the one the one bright spot I would say uh, a kid from Oregon who I know you followed a little bit of recruiting Jalen John mm-hmm. uh, he started yeah. to merge a little bit as a run option for them you know he's averaging six yards over six yards a carry he's only gotten 18 carries so far but he's starting to show up and he's and he's and he's running the ball more and more and more as we go on th- uh, go on here um, so you know we'll see what happens with that. Um, you know, we've seen a lot of times over the years, freshmen, you know, receivers and running backs are guys that can make a difference right out of the gate. If you, if you give them a chance, um, like I said, John had 71 yards against Colorado. Um, before that, you know, he had had five carries for 37 yards against Northern Arizona. That was really kind of his only, um, other, you know, big look. So I suspect now he's going to get a lot of looks. Um, you know, Drake Anderson was is their leading rusher, but he had one carry for minus one yards against Colorado. I, I you know, and I don't know what his status is going to be for the. They've game. got him listed fourth on the depth chart this year or this yeah. week. So so it's so who knows? I mean, it's their run situation is almost as bad as well as, mm. as Washington's, but it's more a lot of it's based on injuries and other things compared to just Washington being very just poor in general yeah. the run game another huge mystery as to why that's happened yeah and i i think you're gonna have to i i honestly would i mean you and i talked about it in the post game and we talked about it during the game just between the two of us that we hadn't seen washington really use the three down linemen set uh to stop ucla's vaunted running attack and they st- you know, they ended up giving up 227 yards, I think is what the final was um, on the ground against UCLA. And but a lot of the, the that running success for UCLA came in two long drives. Otherwise, Washington really kind of bottled them up the rest of the game. And I think Washington was happy to sit back and, and not let Dorian Thompson Robinson really hurt them too much. But, um, you know, a lot of people would argue that you should have stopped the run first. And with Arizona, you've got to believe they're going to try and run on Washington because Washington's run defense is almost as bad as theirs. And Washington really needs to, um, you know, be able to stop the run this week. Do you see them using, just in your opinion, do you see them using three down lineman sets because they're probably going to be able to, go one-on-one or, or um, match up zone against um, Arizona's passing attack? Well, it's, it's interesting, Scott, because, you know, we talked to Will Harris this week and, 
you know, Harris talked about, you know, the obviously the two big holes on defense have been the run defense and, and creating turnovers. Mm-hmm. And uh, we could talk about the turnover thing in a bit, but, you know, he said, hey, we're, you know, that's what we're working on. We know exactly what the holes are. We've been working on it, all those things. And, uh, you know, one of the reporters uh, was was asking him basically, is that, you know, with, with your safeties, and obviously we know the DBs are the last kind of response in terms of the run game. Obviously the front seven are the guys really responsible for that. He goes, but, you know, as DBs, you, you know, do you feel like with the two high safeties and things like that, do, do you have to start cheating down a little bit more in the box and, and helping support and stuff? And and Harris basically let the cat out of the bag and said, yeah, that that's happening. You know? So yeah. It, but it, but it does beg the question. It really begs the question. You have arguably the two best corners in terms of a tandem in the Pac-12 in Trent McDuffie and, and Kyler Gordon. And I understand that Washington has built a reputation in terms of, in, uh, of denying the big play. But at some point, you've got to be able to, to put some, some, some bodies in the box and allow your, your top players on your defense to go one-on-one with guys at times and just, and just beat their man and just, and just, be, and just take them out of the game. Mm-hmm. And so it, it just really has begged the question, why have they been so afraid to just not let their best players just have the challenge of taking on the guys on the outside? Like you talked about, you know, Trent McDuffie probably being like glue on Stanley Berryhill. That it just makes sense, right? It just you yeah. put, it's good on good. And if he beats you sometimes, so be it. And if you beat him sometimes, so be it. But that's that's the game. You at some point you've got to beat the guy in front of you. And for them to to be so stubborn in their stuff, and I and I grant you, Scott, you mentioned the fact that outside of a couple of the longer drives, um, Washington had UCLA's run game fairly contained. But you know, here's the thing: it it, it only takes a couple drives yeah, because you're right. Washington's offense is not generating offense to the point where you can feel comfortable giving up, you know, twenty one. 27 however many points a game because that has not been enough nope. to 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 overcome the, the the fourth quarter deficiencies and like I wrote uh, after the UCLA game that final drive of UCLA's when they just ran the ball ran the ball ran the ball felt very similar to what Oregon State was able to do at their very end when they just did what they needed to do to get in field goal position to win that game it felt a lot like what Washington was able to do in 2018 at Washington State mm-hmm. with Savon Ahmed and and Miles Miles Gaskin just running at will and taking eight plus minutes off the clock and just absolutely burying the will of Washington State at the end of that game. So, you know, <laughs> at some point you've got to be able to run the ball and you've got to be able to stop the run. And stopping the run for Washington is paramount in this game because the best way, the best chance on paper at least going into tonight is you have to make Will Plummer beat you. That That's the key. You can't let Arizona, whatever semblance of a run game they have, you can't let that beat you. You can't let Jalen John or whoever you know Arizona's going to trot out there to run the ball, you can't let them go for 100, 150. You can't, you can't let them do it. Mm-hmm. You've got to stuff them, and you've got to force third and longs, and then you've got to say, okay, Will Plummer, let's see what you've got. And then you, if you take Barry Hill out of the game, via McDuffie or, or Gordon, then what else do they have at this point? Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of a proven formula. It's not rocket science and, here that we're talking about. 
Arizona's offensive line is big. They're, they might not be the most talented group, but they are big. They they average about 6'5", and they're right at about uh, 315 uh, pounds per, per player. All of their starters are over 300 and, uh, 307 pounds or heavier, and all of the backups are 305 pounds or heavier. So they're, they're big up front. They, they want to mash you a little bit. Um, we've already kind of talked about the running game. So Washington has has their own, you know, size in in uh, Tuli Letuliga Sanoa, Fatui Tuatele, Sam Taimani, and Jacob Bandis played quite a bit last week. I thought I saw quite a bit of him last week, and we need to see more of that group active up front for the Huskies. But really, it's going to come down to the outside and inside linebacker play. Because we're just not seeing that much come from the defensive end, or I'm sorry, the outside linebackers, the Bucks. Now, Zion Tupuola Fatui gets in there, and Chris, you you had the snap count. Was it was it like nine snaps or ten snaps last week? Um, remember that oh, off for, the top for of Zion? Yeah, for Zion. I want to say it was ten. Yeah, I have to go back. I honestly everybody have to go back was saying over under was at ten, right? Yeah, and he yeah. was like right at that number. But it's he, he seemingly every time he was in the game, he had an impact, whether it was forcing a bad throw by Dorian Thompson Robinson, forcing them to get rid of the ball quicker than they wanted to. Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson was very aware of what Zion Tupuola Fatui was doing and getting rid of the ball. I have to believe that Will Plummer is going to be in that same situation. If, if Washington can get 15 to 20 snaps, out of ZTF, I think they're they're going to do pretty well against them, at least rushing the quarterback. Yeah, and and it's interesting because he he, he did have ten snaps. Zion did. Um, his grade was, and and every single one of them was a pass rush. So Washington was obviously able to correctly identify when to use him the best, because um, obviously he was going to be on a very limited count. And you know his his grade was seventy six point oh if you take you know, pro, pro football focus at their, uh, you know, if you take their stock, you know, if it, it takes stock in anything they do. Um, but I, you know, again, you know, they, I think Washington, I don't remember how many total quarterback hurries they had, but he had three by pro football focus all by himself. So out of the 10 snaps that he had almost a third of the time, he was getting to the quarterback and making a difference. I, I know for a fact, the first couple ones, he was directly contributing to incomplete passes. And and getting Dorian Thompson Robinson off his spot, yeah. <clears throat> so, you know, what's the over and under tonight? Could he could he be at twenty snaps? Um, you know, I think again this and it goes back to what I just talked about. You've got to get into a situation where you make Arizona one dimensional. You have to make Will Plummer beat you, and if that means you know getting into those longer situations, that's just feeding right into using ZTF the right way. Yeah, and and making the most out of the the limited snaps that he's going to have, because maybe he gets twenty snaps tonight, maybe he gets thirty snaps against Stanford, maybe we'll start to see you know roughly ten by ten by ten, you know his his workload increase, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and you talked about him, you know, in in terms of the impact, but you know how big Arizona's offensive line is. Well, we know too because of the the inability to really be able to get you know into serious weight training, but yet still try to you know stay in good condition 
we know Zion is is has leaned up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, he lo- I thought he looked great against UCLA. Yeah, in just limited time, he looked the part, and we knew. And, and everyone knows if when he is firing, he's as good as anybody in the country. Um, and they've needed something like you know someone like him sorely because outside of Ryan Bowman, you know, and Bowman's been a one man band all year. He can only do so much. Um, it's and been his actually, best and his best role is as a complement to to the big time pass rusher on the other side. Yeah, but it's, in my it's opinion, been, it's been pretty astounding how how just thoroughly average the rest of that crew is because you've got some serious talent on that side of the ball with Savelle Smalls, Braylon Trice. Um, you know, Jordan Lohe is coming through, but you got, you got Cooper McDonald. <clears throat> You've got guys that, that, that are talented guys and <clears throat> their pass rushing grades. I mean, you know, Jeremiah Martin has, has a pretty good pass rushing grade, uh, outside of him, you know, there just has not been a lot of guys to really talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you look at Trice, you know, Trice, you know, <laughs> Um, Kaika Malloy talked about it being the second coming of, of, of Joe Tryon and being along that path. His pass rushing grade right now is 65.9 from pro football focus. Mm-hmm. That doesn't sound like Joe. Those aren't Joe Tryon numbers. They're, they're in close. Jordan Lolo Hay is at 63.7. Savelle Smalls is at 61.5. Cooper McDonald's at 57.2. Yeah. And he's your I starter. Mean, these are, yeah, yeah. These. Yeah. And, and that exactly. That's your starter. That's a guy that's played over 200 snaps. And has had over 65, or um, in in terms of pass rushing, he's had over 65 snaps of pass rush. And those are not the numbers you need generated. You need guys that can make an impact. And the thing is, it's it's almost been doubly bad, in the sense that they have not necessarily been able to create the pass rush that you want, Scott. But in a lot of times, they just have not been fundamentally sound. They haven't been able to hold an edge. They just they have not been able to hold their line. They've overrun plays quite a bit. Um, you know, uh, Hugh Millen broke it down in some of the stuff that he's done this week. You know, they just, they talk about guys overrunning their holes and, and allowing bigger gaps to form. And that was, that was a problem in a couple of those bigger drives that you, that you talked about where UCLA was really able to establish the run game. So yeah, overall it's that, that whole, uh, outside linebacker position has been really disappointing and hopefully the inclusion of ZTF now back in the mix and, and getting healthier and healthier by the minute, hopefully that really kind of jump starts that group and, 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 and seeing him perform at a higher level will hopefully be the, the tide that rises all of those boats, so to speak. Chris, uh, keys to the game. Give me two, two keys to the game, one on each side of the ball uh, to get for Washington to get this win. Well, I think obviously we, we talked about it. It's line of scrimmage. They have to absolutely dominate the line of scrimmage. That means running the ball and stopping the run. It's it's fundamental. Um, and and Will Harris, you know, you asked for my keys to the game on either side of the ball, Scott. I could have. I'm parroting Will Harris right now. You got you've got to, you've got to stop the ball, running the ball. You've got to, you've got to turn Arizona into one dimension, and then you've got to turn the ball. You've got to turn the ball over. You've got to get the ball back. They they have been so poor. In the turnover game, it's been astonishing. And Will Harris is 100% right, and you can't argue with it. The, the the really good defenses are fundamentally sound, but the great defenses are the ones who score and get the ball back. Those are You won't find historically a great defense that isn't great getting the ball back. And Washington has been awful at that. 
And if they can't turn the ball over against a quarterback like Will Plummer and this Arizona uh, attack, I mean, we Jason Shear from Wildcat Authority, who's who's basically uh, our counterpart for Arizona, and does a wonderful job down there. I mean, he said flat out, you know, you, you can almost count on at least one or two turnovers happening. Uh, for Arizona, just based on how they have played so far this year. So if if the Huskies can't take care of uh, of the turnover battle and win the turnover battle, it's going to win be a, by a, a big no- margin. Yeah, yeah, and it's going to be another long night because if you know everyone's asking what can what can Arizona do to try to to really pull the upset here? Well, they can win the turnover battle, and it's not been difficult to do if you've been playing Washington, because basically every team that's played Washington has won the turnover battle. Yeah. Um, that's a huge part of this game for me. So again, on offense, establish the run, you know, establish your, establish your identity and then defensively get the ball back. That's just, it's fundamental. Yeah. And I don't disagree with either of those, Chris, I'll go with, Hey, Dylan Morris, make plays when you get the opportunity, but take care of the ball. Just like you said, Chris, they need to establish the run. I want Washington. Washington's top run game this season, uh, as far as yards, is 189 against Oregon State. Washington needs to have a, a big night on the ground. I mean, I'm talking 250, 300 yards rushing on the ground. They should be able to do that against a, uh, an Arizona defense that's just kind of playing on its heels right now and and not as good as it as it could be uh, down the road. And then defensively, they really need to get after the quarterback. Like you said, Chris, get, get a couple turnovers, give this offense, give their offense some shorter fields. That's been a big problem for Washington is any touchdowns that they've gotten have had to come from long dis, you know, from long drives. We're talking, you know, 60 plus yard drives. Washington needs a 40 yard drive. And when they have had that opportunity, they haven't been able to punch it in. So um, let's see if they can do that. Chris, let's move on, on to recruiting real quick before we wrap this up. Washington made an offer out to a six foot four, 185 pound defensive back from the JUCO ranks. Not something that Washington does a lot. They currently have two offers out to JUCO cornerbacks. One is Keontae Scott out of Utah, out of Snow College in Utah. He's had an offer for quite a while, and he's going to be visiting Washington, I think, for the Oregon game is what he told me. But um, Washington just made an offer to Zaquan Frazier, a guy out of Coffeeville High, uh, Coffeeville Community College out in Kansas. Chris, I, I don't know if you got to read my story that I did on him, but did you get a chance to watch any of his film? I have not, unfortunately. You okay. I, I, I watched. I, I, I take that back. I watched maybe a minute or two, but yeah, just just seeing a guy out there that's you know, he's um, legit six four. Yeah, he's Brandon Browner, big. Brandon Browner size guy. Without you know, and it's just it is weird to see a six four guy out there that's yeah. so rangy. And um, yeah, you just love the length and the levers out there. That's pretty. It's, it's yeah. pretty interesting to watch. Well, and he had only played corner. This is so he's been in. Uh, he signed with Southern Illinois, but then transferred to Coffeeville pretty quickly. And he's only played corner for a year and a half because he's he had never he had always played safety before because of his length. And so he's still kind of raw to the position. But I think what the Husky coaches see is that how hard he's going to be to throw against with his long arms and everything like that. Last week, um, Washington had a surprise visitor by the name of Mumu bin Wahad. He's a kid out of um, it's a suburb of uh, Atlanta and uh He's committed to uh, West Virginia, um, 
already, but he paid for a trip to come out and visit Washington, and the Huskies uh, impressed him. And he told me that he's working with the coaches on setting up an official visit. Now, Washington doesn't like to do official visits during the season because they want to be able to spend more time with the recruits when they're up for official visits. But um, he wants to take an official visit to Washington's game against Oregon, and we'll we'll see if that winds up happening. But uh, was that a bit of, su- of a surprise to you? It was to me when I found out that he had visited. Oh, no, that's a huge surprise because it's it's just not it's not in the normal footprint. No, nope. I mean, it's and, and, and on top of it, it's a it's a committed kid. Yeah. Um, who, who's willing to come on his own dime. You just don't normally see that. And I think that's just that's just telling of of where the program is yet in, in terms of defensive backs and just the reputation that, you know, Jimmy Lake has created that has now started to kind of trickle down to Will Harris and Terrence Brown. I think it's just a, a testament to, um, you know, when, you know, up and coming defensive backs, they look at guys in the, in the NFL and they're seeing Buda Baker, they're seeing Byron Murphy, they're seeing, you know, uh, Taylor Rapp get two picks last week. You know, they're looking at, you know, even older guys, um, you know, like, uh, like Kevin Mark, King and Desmond Trufant, and Desmond Trufant, and then Sidney Jones and, Sidney Jones is starter with the Hawks. <laughs> exactly. And I know Marcus Peters is hurt, but, you know, in the past, obviously, he's made a huge impact. So you just see a ton of guys. Keith Taylor had a phenomenal week this last weekend. Yep. Uh, he led he led Carolina in tackles. Um, even in, and, um, and so he just, you know, all these guys are showing up. I mean, they are showing up on the biggest stage in the world. And um, that is something that obviously, you know, people that pay attention to these things, when they they're, they're noticing. And they're and it's trickling down and it's starting to really pay dividends now. You know, people see, you know, if you want to go to a place where they're going to not just, you know, do a good job of trying to put you in the league. But you but the reason why is because you are literally getting better. Their their record, their track record for development right now is off the charts and it's and it's undisputed. So this is this is the situation where these coaches can really recruit to this because they have the track record now and they can show they can literally map out a plan for these guys to show them exactly how to get in the NFL. And they can tell, they can tell people exactly how they did it with Buda Baker, how they did it with Byron Murphy, how they did it with Taylor Rapp, how they did it with Kevin King, how they did it with Sidney Jones, you know, how they did it with Keith Taylor. You know, they can, they can just point to all these things and go exactly. This is what these guys did. You can be the next guy. So um, it's yeah. interesting. I, I, I really do think that this is right now the time where they're really paying dividends. And I know a lot of Washington fans are really frustrated because it has, it's been a situation where they haven't necessarily been able to capitalize on the top, top, top guys in terms of defensive backs. They, they, you would think they would be able to, to, to get the next Trent McDuffie or to get the next Byron Murphy, for instance, really highly rated guys from, you know, from different parts, you know, they don't, they're not like Kyler Gordon. They're not from, you know, the Everett area. They're not from here. They're not Taylor Rapp, you know, where they want to play at Washington because they grew up following Washington. Um, But you're starting to see that maybe some of these guys from other parts of the country are really paying attention. And these are guys that, you know, they may not wow you with the star power and stuff, but then you start looking at a little bit of their offer sheet and and kind of dig in a little deeper and see what they're about. And all of a sudden you're like, mm, yeah, these guys might be players. Yeah. Uh, last one is Washington made an offer to a 2023 linebacker. Garfield's um, 
his name's Michael Montgomery. And I, I was like, uh, it totally, you know, it totally threw me off when I was talking to him because I kept thinking of Mike Montgomery, the, the old Stanford co- uh, basketball coach. But uh, yeah. six, 65 tackles, a couple sacks, 17 tackles for loss in six games so far for the Bulldogs this season. And, um, you know, I put the story up yesterday and the kid's really excited and uh, doesn't have any offers other than Washington so far. Nevada and Oregon State are talking to him. I know that a couple other schools have asked for film on him and talked to his coaches about him. Michigan, Michigan State. Um, I think Stanford is looking at him a little bit. And Cal is also uh, making some inquiries as well. So a guy to keep an eye on. 2023 kid. Loved it. Was so excited by his offer from Washington. Uh, last game against UCLA was his first time in Husky Stadium. He was just blown away by what he saw. Uh, so keep an eye out for that game. Michael Montgomery from uh, Garfield. 2023 kid. You'll you'll That's a name that, that you'll need to remember. And I think Washington's in a good spot for him. Was, hey, Chris. I was going to say, Scott, no. I was gonna say real quick. Um, when I put on the tape of him. Uh, I noticed right away he was wearing number nine. I'm thinking, nine, yeah. from Garfield wearing nine. Where have I seen that before? Yeah. Oh. A guy you know, by that, the name so, of? <laughs> Savelle Smalls. Yeah. But, you know, but it was really interesting because I don't know if his game is necessarily similar to Savelle. He's definitely more of an inside guy. Yeah, he's a middle but, um, but, boy, you know, he shows he shows great, great instincts. Um, you know, people, I think, have been wondering about the inside linebacker recruiting stuff, especially with – you know, some of the guys leaving and, and, you know, that kind of thing. And obviously a guy like Tupatala not being available, being hurt um, for a long time. So, you know, seeing a local guy like that being um, a stalwart guy that could be an inside linebacker for the future, I think should be pretty exciting for Washington fans. Hey, Chris, let's wrap things up for the day. We're, we're uh, getting ready for kickoff tonight at 7.30. And is that that's on ESPN, correct? ESPN 2? Yeah. I remember right. Okay, ESPN two. Yeah, I'll, I'll, people just have to look it up. You you've also got the story up there when and how to watch Washington, right? You've got that. Yeah, it is. It's definitely ESPN. The- yeah, definitely ESPN two. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, um, you know, hopefully we're talking about a win post game at about uh, what? What do you think we'll be broadcasting from about midnight? Um, Later tonight. <laughs> I don't. I don't really want to. I don't want Me to think either. about that too quickly. I don't now. either. It's gonna I don't be a long. Think- it's gonna be a long day. Obviously, we're up early. Um, and it's gonna and we're gonna we're gonna be burning the midnight oil. So, uh, but this is what we do, and this is what we love, and I wouldn't I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah, me either. So, Chris, for Chris Fetters, I'm Scott Eckland. You've been listening to the guys from Dogman Dogman.com on Dogman Radio. Go dogs. <laughs> Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend 
or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 